0: you're finding your seats I thought I'd show you what we were talking about last week so last week we were talking about discipleship and we were talking about how well are we effectively doing that and discipleship is this challenge about going deeper with God and um, there's been some really fascinating things that came through um, so this is this is last Sunday's feedback at the end of the discussion these are some of the things that came up um, so a discipling church, a great discipling church, some kind of cool values that came through. So um, intentional and intergenerational. That one was really fascinating. Lots of people talked about intergenerational kinds of relationships. So a really good discipling church has mentoring relationships where older people are mentoring and engaging with younger people, where teenagers are engaging with elderly people, which is really fascinating. That doesn't happen much in our society. So I think it's a really interesting one for us to think about. Um, then there. These two were really, really, really interesting to me. I wrote it in an email in the feedback. Um, Two values that kind of stick together but are kind of different. One is that uh, a deep discipling community wants to be accountable and being open to ask tough questions and difficult questions. So that's being able for people to challenge you on things and ask you the difficult questions of how you're going, and a real sense of wanting to be challenged to go deeper. So that was one sense. But right alongside of that was a community that was very accepting, non-judgmental, and very safe for you to be vulnerable. And those two are interesting. I don't think they're necessarily opposites because you can do both. But it is a bit fascinating to think about how do you build a community where it's okay to ask deep, difficult questions and be challenged on things, but at the same time feel not judgmental and safe to be vulnerable. Fascinating, 1A. I don't know how to do that, but it's something that I'd like us to think about. Um, A couple of other things. A a discipling church has really deep spiritual, emotional, and relational health. I think that is incredibly important. It's not just enough to believe, but that needs to transform the way you act. An outward focus. This was really encouraging too, a huge desire. That if we're going deep with God, that needs to translate into an outward focus of loving the people outside of our four walls. And I'm really excited. This has come through really strongly in all of our feedback. I'm stoked to pastor a church that wants to keep looking outward. That's lovely. Lots of churches don't have that. So God bless you. It means I don't have to kick you in the pants as hard. As hard. As hard. Uh, Then some good programs and teaching, so running good courses that does like basics of the gospel, inner healing courses, and then some cool values. One that was really cool is clarity on what a disciple looks like. I think that's a really important question. What does it look like to be a deep disciple of Jesus? Um, The other thing, areas that needed attention, so like focus areas that we might need to work on. These are some of the things that came through. Um, Relational and emotional health, which interestingly enough was also one of the key missional needs in our community. So I think that's really interesting that those kind of line up together. Um, Deeper theology and spiritual life. So A, knowing more, but also making that translate into a more vibrant spirituality. Um, Yeah. Uh, Intentional relationships, again, going deeper with one another again. uh, Outward focus showed up again in areas that we need to grow in, in our discipleship to Jesus, which I thought was interesting. And then there were some cool practical ideas and um, some practical ways to go forward. So there's some really cool stuff. I encourage you guys to be thinking through this because it's really, really interesting about how we grow as a church. How do we move forward and what kind of church do we become, all right? So today we're talking about community. And I asked you guys, and we've done this every single week, I wanted to gauge on a scale of one to five, how well are we building deep, and meaningful community here at Golden Sands. So, what I'm gonna ask you to do is on the count of three, just check your hand up in the air and give us one, two, three, four, five of how well you think we are doing. Does that make sense? Pretty commonplace. So, on the count of three, hands up. One, two, three, go. What do we got? Come on, hands up. How well are we doing? And if you're new here, you can also put it up here. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. All right, keep them up, keep them up. Okay, all right, what do we got? Some fours, some fives, some fours. Keep them up, nope, don't put them down. Some fours, threes, threes, threes. Threes, 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 fours, threes. Threes, a five, Threes, threes, threes. Is there a six? No, it's a five and you're just being weird about it. Is it? It's a four and a half. You just have to be extra, don't you? Is that four and a half too? You two, get out of town. Okay, fascinating. Um, Real quick, uh, I just want to hear a snapshot, nothing major. Um, No twos. Elders, that's fascinating, isn't it? That's really, really interesting, huh? No twos and ones. Everything was threes, fours, and fives. Really interesting. That's good to know. That'll be a talking point. Um, Real quick, fours and fives. Um, any fours and fives? Can you check your hands up again? Fours and fives, fours and fives, fours and fives, fours and fives, fours and fives. Great. I just want to hear a snapshot of why you put that answer. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just a helpful thing. So fours and fives. Why did you label us that? It's really good to know.
1: Hi, I'm Julie. I've huh. been here since the church started, pretty much. So. Yep. And I think I've come to that place of being five because of everybody else that's come in as well. And we're part of a, an amazing group of friends that really connect together and spend time and hang out together. And that's where your community builds from, and your depth and friendship and love for each other, and increases, you know, my, for me, my own spirituality and where I'm in with God as well. Mm. So I'd probably go even a 10. 10 but like, oh. Ooh,
0: Makes <laughs> me feel good yeah. about
1: myself today. Thanks to all these lovely people here, too. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right, Uh, cool, Uh, fours, any other fours and fives? It's really, really helpful. Again, this is really, yeah, Bruce, really, really good for us to hear.
2: Four, not a five, because we're doing a pretty good job, I think. Mm -hmm. But we've got, yeah, well, five when we get that mosh pit, mate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the question is, who's going to join us in the mosh pit? That's what I'm keen to see. Um, (laughs) But we've got to make sure that the holes aren't there that the back door isn't there, that uh, we miss the, the ones that could get missed.
0: Cool. When we avoid that, we go to a 5 or a 10. Cool, so closing up that back door to make sure people don't get missed if they, if they don't come through. Yep, any other 4s and 5s? Come on, 4s and 5s, really helpful. Yep, we got a few more. One at the back and then one up here, that'll be great. Run, Carl, run! Run! This is why he does cricket, he's sporty.
1: I rated you a five. We've just started coming here, and there's been lots of times where we haven't been able to make it, we've had other things on, but people have always um, checked up on us, and from the moment we walked in the door, I, I. we were both blown away by how friendly everyone was and how many people came up and um, talked to us every single Sunday we've been here um, without fail, so we've just been amazed, and all your Connect groups, um, I don't think I've seen such a variety (laughs) in a church for a long time, (laughs) and that's just really cool how you guys seem to me to be building a great community here and your growth has been incredible so thank you.
0: Awesome, hey that's really helpful to hear, and Everybody who's been here a while, pat yourselves on the back. Isn't that feel good? This is, like, really, really important. Yep, we had one more up here with Andre. I would oh. also say that the, um, the host teams do such a phenomenal job. The host job. teams are incredible. Can we get a round of applause for our host teams? Because they are amazing at looking out for people. Yeah. Hello. I like the fact that we have a structure where people can get plugged in. Mm. But at the same time, even if you're not part of a life group or a connect group, it's quite organic where people really are interested and would like to help. Cool. And that builds the community. Awesome. Yeah. That's really, really cool. It's really helpful to know. All right. Um, for those of you who had three, that shows that we have some room to grow. Um, if you had three, could I hear why? I genuinely would love to hear some growth areas. It's really important. Yeah.
3: I find myself with a microphone. Um, I, I've, I said three, and it's probably a, a little bit of a reflection of, of me as much as it is the church here. But building community is really about you reaching out to as, mm. as an individual, because I, I reflect on how many times have I invited you guys for lunch. Um, it's a little confronting when I look around and probably can count on one hand. I've been here for a year, two years mm. now, um, and so the responsibility sits on me um, quite squarely as well as the church, and it's not all about the church providing opportunities, but as individuals, um, us doing it. So uh, not, it's probably not so much a reflection on the church as it was on me.
0: This is really important thought, though. like So to sum that up, we're all going to Kim's house for lunch. We're all going to Kim's this. house. Yes, that's that's what I heard. But that's really important. The culture of our community is more important than our programs often. Yeah, we just got one there. Yep.
2: Uh, yeah. As a recent widow, I've found that the church, I've been accepted, welcomed, and especially with the connect groups, because when you're, a widow, suddenly you've lost your partner, mm. and um, or husband, as mine was, but um, there's a gap missing, and so I'm finding that the connecting groups um, have reached out to me, mm. and therefore um, I've spread the word out about these groups, because it's meant so much to me. Wow. To that They don't even come to church I've been able to reach out and say, well, as far as Rotorua and Auckland and to people and say that these people are reaching me. They're meeting a a need that I've had. So, yeah, thank you very much, everyone. It's been just, well, it's God-blessed anyhow.
0: Oh, God thank ordained. you. That's, yeah. It's really encouraging to hear. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> good. Cool, uh, any other threes? Any other threes? Um, yep, we got a couple. There's Ian just over there.
1: Yeah, I voted three. I think we do some things really well. You know, the connect groups are quite novel and they change all the time and the home groups, I guess if we take community as being the whole suburb, what are we doing for Papamara and they talk about loneliness and Mm. connecting people when they're new to a new suburb and all that. So I guess I see quite a big scope um, and I think we're very intentional and we're trying, uh, Mm. but what might that look like external is really exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. How do we, how do we, makes me think of how do we build that community spirit outside of our Sundays? Yeah, it's really cool. Yep, there was another one just over there. Yeah.
4: Just following on what Ian said, is that I think we're doing within this community and the people that are attending church, we're doing really, really well. But there is still a really big community outside of the people that are just here. Mm. And I think that we can still learn what to do and how to actually be a community within the wider community and Mm. be community to them as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome, that's great. It's really, really helpful. Oh yeah, one last one over here, one last one. This is so helpful, I'm sure the elders are listening. I find this so really good to know, yep.
3: Okay, so when I'm
0: thinking community,
3: I'm thinking really big scale. So when we're all in here, we're all inviting each other in and it's really safe and it's really nice. But how are we inviting each other in? How are we reaching out? Because I, outside of here, behind our little tucked in, wherever we are, in this little cul-de-sac, you don't hear of it as much. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anyone say, oh, Golden Sands Baptist, I don't, it's not as broad yeah. yet. Yeah. So how do we invite people outside of our church in? Because they come in and we are very nice and whatever we're doing, they
0: feel really invited. And that's a good space in here. But how do we spread that out into our own community? Awesome. Thank you, Hunter. That's such an important question. And honestly, can I just say, just from a pastoral note, because I talk to other pastors and other churches, and I've spoken with other elders. Genuinely, I mean it when I am so grateful that I'm in a church where my congregation is telling me we're not doing enough outward-focused things. Huh, what a blessing is that, eh, Ken? <laughs> like, so thank you. Keep us to keep thinking externally it's really 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 important Um, it's really good feedback for us Yeah. so today we are talking about community and the reason we're doing that if I can just go back a bit um, is we're talking about our vision for the next few years we are just over a little bit two years old two and a half years old and we're having an AGM for the first time in our life we have discretionary money (laughs) feels exciting (laughs) Didn't have that for a couple of years. Um, So we've got the chance to actually be proactive and to invest and to think strategically about where God is calling us to. And so this series has been a chance for us to hear about that together. And I've said it every week, the reason why the microphone is going around so much is because here at Golden Sands Baptist, I believe that Jesus is leading us. And the way that he leads us is not when I go to a mountain and I get the spiritual vision and then I come back here and tell it all to you in really pretty language. I believe that the way I most clearly hear Jesus is when I'm right here in the midst of you, when we gather together and we pray, Jesus speaks through us. So that's the reason why this microphone is being passed around so much, because I wanna hear the voice of God through each and every one of us. And so these are like the four areas. So we believe that God is making all things new, that Papamoa will look exactly like one day the way God imagined it, that the area will be renewed, that there will be no more loneliness, no more homelessness, that people will be bound up in families and communities. All the promises of scripture, we believe God is doing that here in our neighborhood. And that starting in our lives, as we encounter Jesus and get filled with his spirit, that transformation happens with us. And so as a church, the way that we partner with Jesus in making all things new is through these things that the church has done for 2,000 years, basics, mission, outreach, going out and being where Jesus is on the fringes of society, worship engaging with God like we're gonna do this morning and like we're gonna do tonight, sitting at his presence and being grounded in who he is. Discipleship, deep journeys inward, that God would transform us from the inside out and then community, forming networks of deep, committed relationships. That is how God is going to make all things new here in Papamoa. And these are the things that we have to do to help make that happen. And so that's what we're talking about. And today we are finishing up the series talking about community. And you've mentioned it today, but one of the words that came through in every single week in the needs of Papamoa, in the needs of Tauranga, is loneliness. Every single week's group of feedback, even when it was worship, questions of loneliness and struggles of loneliness came up as things that people are struggling to overcome in their journey to God. And it's, I mean, we know it. That feedback shows that that challenge is, A, it exists within this room, but we also know outside of these four walls, it runs rampant. As people feel isolated, they feel scared, they feel alone. And this is one of the biggest challenges, one of the biggest missional needs in Papamoa that we have to overcome with the gospel of Jesus. If we're gonna meet people where we're at, we have to look at the crisis of loneliness here in Tauranga and Papamoa. Um, there's this really interesting book by Robert Putnam called Bowling Alone. And, um, Most of you who've been in this church, we've talked about it a bit. Um, Most everybody in Christianity knows that the church is on decline um, in most Western nations. Um, Numbers are dropping, the Anglicans, numbers are going off, I mean, I think Presbyterians and Wesleyans are really falling off a cliff. Anglicans are struggling, Baptists have shown decline, I think for four or five years now in our national statistics. This is just the reality that we face. And often in church spaces, we feel really bad about that. We beat ourselves over the head, woe is me, we're terrible, let's do everything better. And that can make us feel bad. But what Putnam shows, it's really, really interesting, is he says that this crisis of like, organizations that the church is facing is not a crisis that the church faces alone. In fact, it's not like as if every other community organization is thriving and the church is falling off a cliff. What Putnam talks about is pretty much any and all community-based organizations, whether they're rotary, bowling clubs, sporting clubs, any volunteer-based community organization, has struggled. Everybody, I mean, you talk about it like bowling clubs, particularly here in Tauranga, many of them are on the fence, if not almost closed, because they're struggling to maintain membership. They're struggling to maintain finances. Rotary clubs are really struggling to get any young people through the ranks to enable them to kind of continue to move forward. Like, this this challenge that we face isn't just in the church. If you look across New Zealand society, any organization that's based on community membership, strong ties, almost all of them are deeply struggling. Deeply struggling. Which is fascinating to me. Um, And what it's part of that, and again, if you've been part of this church, you've heard me talk about this 10,000 times, and I'm gonna say it again. That's right. What we have in the Western society is this huge rampant advance of individualism. Uh, It started probably back in the 15th, did I spell it wrong? In, it, individualism. <laughs> <lives. laughs> the rest of the time I'm going to say individualism. <laughs> <laughs> so replace the D with an N. That should say individualism. Um, is it still not right? So <laughs> Indiv. Oh wow! I got that real wrong. I N D, I V. Can, you, can everybody squint their eyes for a second? Just squint? Looks good now, doesn't it? So just squint at that screen for the last little bit. You're not gonna be able to focus. I'm just gonna go back to Putnam because that'll help you all focus a little bit. I know how you are. You're just gonna sit there, it's like you're just staring at you, glaring in the face at how it's wrong. Yeah, it's better. At least I didn't spell that one wrong because it's an image. You guys are so gracious, I love you. Um, But what you have in Western society is this rampant advance of individualism. It started back in the 1500s with the Enlightenment through all these alpha male type characters of, uh, if you've done philosophy, you'd have John Locke, Thomas Hobbes, um, Rene Descartes, like all these people struggled with the monarchy. They struggled with a society that felt too rigid. And so what happened was the Enlightenment, what was called the freedom of the individual to choose and make their own path. I mean, my home country, America, is pretty pretty much like a country birthed from the enlightenment of individual rights and freedoms. And so we've had this kind of journey, and don't hear me wrong, in a lot of ways, that's brought a lot of help and a lot of goodness. And it's brought a lot of freedom for a lot of people, and that's been important. But what's happened, particularly since the 1950s, is that general movement towards individuals in a society has rapidly increased. And technology, the industrial revolution, um, birth control, uh, then the rise of the internet, social media, these technologies have hugely accelerated this movement towards radical, radical individualism. And now the goal, if you watch any Disney movie, any Hallmark story, the goal of society, the gospel that we all live under, is that if you want to be happy, if you want to live the good life, if you want to find the best thing, It's not even in a romantic relationship anymore because most of those rom-coms are flipping the script. If you really wanna be happy, then you have to dig within, find your true self, that's free from any external obligations. So if they've told you you're like this, you have to break that off because that's inhibitive. So you have to dig down, find your true self, and once you find your true self, then you can live your truth, and once you live your truth, then you'll finally be happy. Everybody will accept you for who you are. You'll finally get that job that you wanted because the reason you didn't go forward in that job is because you're pretending to be somebody else, right? If you could just be you, just be you. Just be you. doesn't matter what anyone else is. Just be you. And if you can find you and be you, then everyone will love you and then you'll be able to be you with all the money that you want to do whatever you want to do whenever you would like to do it without anyone holding you back from anything that you would like to do. Right? Sound good? Right? That's, that's essentially... That's the tale and the story that we live in. It's this move towards we think we are most free when nothing and no one holds us down. And so everyone is not only like running towards it, we are embracing individualism as a gospel. Don't look at it, don't look at it. All right, here we go. Um, Patrick Denine, a political philosopher, he talks about this language and he's talking about our current society. And he says that the loosening of social bonds in nearly every aspect of life, whether it's family neighborhood, communal, religious, and even national ties, it reflects the advancing logic of liberalism. And now liberalism, you could think of as just Western culture. It's the advancing logic of Western culture, but it's also its deepest source of instability. The more we long for individual freedoms where nothing holds us back, we also find ourselves alone. Really? And then we wonder why we're lonely. He goes on to say that the goal of society is increasingly separate, autonomous, non-relational, so you don't have to do too much with other people's selves. We're replete, we're filled with rights, we're defined by our liberty, but we're also insecure. We feel powerless, we feel afraid, and we feel alone. We're fighting to be ourselves more than we've ever been before, yet we are also more anxious than we have ever been before. We're fighting to be free from any connections that hold us back and hold us down, and we also somehow find ourselves lonelier than we've ever been. I don't think it's a coincidence. And this loneliness has really disastrous effects on wider areas. Um, David Brooks, who's written a really fascinating, what he calls like the Relationist Manifesto, he talked about what happens is as we get alone, we don't stay alone, we often devolve into tribes or tribalism. And I thought this was really fascinating. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on it, but if you're watching any election in the world, this is the background of what's happening. He says, tribalism is the dark twin of community. The tragic paradox of hyper-individualism is that what began as an ecstatic liberation, so like a happy freeing, ends up as a war of tribe against tribe that crushes the individuals it sought to free. Fascinating, eh? Because as we become more and more alone, free to be ourselves, we're suddenly scared of anyone who's different. And then suddenly we start congregating with people that also are scared of the same things as us. He goes on to describe it a bit more fully, and I I wanna read it because it's fascinating. He says, if community is based on mutual affection, tribalism is based on mutual distrust. If community is based on an abundance mindset, tribalism is based on a scarcity mindset. We're in a zero-sum struggle of all against all and threat is everywhere. If healthy community delights in differences and celebrates other people's loyalties, then tribalism seeks to destroy all other loyalties. It's always us versus them, friend or enemy, destroy or be destroyed. And if I could go so far as to say with any boldness, um, when I look at my home country and the way this election has run out to them, I feel like this literally epitomizes how this culture's gone for America. Hyper-individualistic country, hyper-individualistic, and now receding into tribalism, where it's not about what you're for, it's about who you're voting against. Because if that person gets in, our whole country is destroyed. And we can't compromise with them, we can't talk to them because they're gonna destroy us. So we, we gather based on our fears, rather than what unites us and holds us together. I just think this is fascinating. Individualism, it's making us lonely, it's making us anxious, it's making us depressed, yet somehow we still believe it's gonna be the source of our freedom. And unfortunately the church has often fallen for this as well. Often the way that we communicate the gospel is we, create the, we communicate the gospel as a gospel for individuals seeking personal individualistic salvation. Like one of the greatest challenges of the church is that in an individualistic culture, particularly since the 1950s, often the way that we say about the gospel is, are you having issues? Are you lonely? Are you scared? Are you having trouble? Well, good, because God wants you to be more you than you've ever been. You've got to deal with that sin in your life, repent and be baptized, and then you'll experience the personal inner transformation that you've always longed for. And then you'll get to go to heaven and you'll get to be with God forever and live in this beautiful state. Not wrong, but it also, who was the main story about the entire time? Just you, just you, just you. If we're not careful as a church, we can buy into that same gospel. And then what meaningful alternative are we offering to the people outside these walls? Do they come here and experience a gospel that radically transforms their world and the individualism that's hollowing them out from the inside? But N.T. Wright reminds us It often goes unnoticed that where the vital doctrine of justification, which is justified from your sin's forgiveness, that doctrine is stated in only three of the letters. On the other hand, every letter, including Philemon, insists on the unity of the church, of people coming together whether it's Jewish and Gentile and Galatians and Romans, rich and poor in Corinth, competing factions in Philippians, different ethnic groups in Colossians, a master and a slave in Philemon. At every point, we find Paul standing in the middle saying, but we must do this together. We must do this together. One of my favorite books in the Bible. Oh, sorry, did you, want, did you get it? You got it? All right, cool. Anyone else? It's there if you want it interior, it's good stuff. Um, one of my favorite books in the Bible is Ephesians. Love that book. And if you've been at Golden Sands, you'll know the verses I'm already gonna talk on because I've talked on them a lot because I think it's fascinating. Ephesians preaches the gospel, but it preaches it in a way that often if we're used to just an individualistic framework is unfamiliar to us. See, the goal of what Paul's doing in Ephesians is you have this church in Ephesus, which is struggling because it has this Jewish group and it has this gentile group and both of them have come to love jesus they both really like jesus the problem is they just cannot flipping stand one another they just can't i mean the jews are so religious and they're oh we have to do all these things and we have to read these prayers and there's this food that they're all nervous about eating and if you're a gentile you're like stuff that i like bacon I want church potlucks with bacon, you know, like, and we can get adamant about that. Well, at the same time, the Jews were like, these Gentiles know nothing of our history. They're just running and running rampant. They're doing whatever they want. Where's the history? Where's the scripture? They have no foundations. And they were just struggling to worship together. And I think if we found a church like Ephesus today, and if I went to a modern church planting seminar, and if I asked leadership gurus what to do, with that community, if that was happening here in Golden Sands, I think often the biggest solution that we'd find is someone would say, well, that's easy, Uh, split to two services. And what you'll do is at the 9 a.m., all the Jewish people can come and they can sing their hymns and they'll really like singing their hymns, and you don't have to have any bacon on site, and they'll feel really good about it. And then at 11 o'clock, then you can do the more rampant, crazy Gentile service that all the Gentiles can come to. And so we're all worshiping together, and it's all great. We're all part of one church, and the Jews come to 9 a.m., and the Gentiles come to 11 a.m., right? Sound familiar? Sound familiar? What does Paul say to this problem? How does he address this issue in Ephesus? He writes this in Ephesians 2, talking about Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who's made the two groups one, and he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. What Paul's saying is like, no, if you think you can have a 9 a.m. service for Jews and 11 a.m. service for Gentiles, you're misunderstanding what God's doing here. You actually don't understand the gospel. If it's just about you getting your personal ticket to heaven and personal development, you've missed what Jesus is doing a core fundamental aspect of the gospel is God is uniting us into one new family, one humanity, Jew and Gentile together, each with their uniqueness, each with their culture, each with their languages, coming together to form one new body, which they call the Ecclesia, this new called out group. And then Paul doubles down a little bit later in language which I think is fascinating. He says, although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, the mystery of the gospel, which for ages was kept hidden in God, who created all things. What's this mystery of the gospel? What's this proclamation of the gospel that's been hidden, but is now being revealed to all things that Paul gets to talk about? His intent was that now, through the church, The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? How is God proclaiming the gospel? How are the rulers and the heavenlies being made known that Jesus has lived, died, and risen again and defeated death and is creating a whole new world? How is the world gonna know? The church the community of the kingdom of God becomes the signpost that people look to and they say, God has done something here because look at all those people together. Look at the way they love one another. Look at the way that Jewish person is sitting down at the table with the Gentile. Look at the way that Maori and Pakiha are coming together. Look at the way that the baby boomers and the Jed Zed are talking together and laughing. Surely God has done something unique in this place. And what's fascinating to me about this is that so often when we think about community, we think it's just a nice extra thing that we should do. Like it's important things so that when people visit, they feel nice and they want to stay. Community is so much more than an optional extra. The way Paul talks about it, community is one of the mechanisms by which we do mission. The way we love one another, the way we care for one another is one of the ways that people will know that Jesus has risen from the dead and we'll know that the whole new world is possible. When we talk about all things new in Papamoa and seeing people set into families and loneliness no longer being rampant, how will people know that our gospel has something meaningful to give them when they come here and experience the community of God? Bound up in relationship. N.T. Wright describes this mystery, this church, as a new moment, a new time in which new things would happen and chief among them, the creation of a new covenant family. The Jew plus Gentile single community, which filled by the Spirit, was to be the model, the advanced sign, and in part the means of God's eschatological or end times ultimate purpose for all creation. The church is the model, the advanced sign, and the means for God's renewal of all things. Our relationships here, the way you relate to each other, the way new people come in and see the way that we talk to one another and care for one another, the diversity that is found within us is the model and advanced sign and one of the means in which the gospel will spread in Papamoa. Community is not just an optional extra for us. If we recognize that loneliness is one of the biggest needs then the health and the vitality of our community is utterly important to meeting that missional need. And now here's the challenge for us. The kingdom kingdom community is a sign of God's mission to the world, and we've gotta find a way to do that different from the rest of the world, the way the world does relationships. I mean, even the way that language and relationships in in our culture has changed. Before in business, you'd often talk about either relationships or partnerships. And now what's more important? Well it's it's connections and it's networks. It's light things that you can hold on to and then disappear. If you want meaningful community, here's some sober realities. A, it takes time. It takes lots of time. Because it's wildly inefficient. It's sitting on a boat talking about nothing for three hours. It's going to a cricket pitch and standing there while nothing happens, because it's God's most boring game. <laughs> but you hang out with the people around you. I'm just kidding, I love you a lot, Carl. We're not friends anymore. Community is staying in relationship even when you're angry with one another, right? It takes time. And in today's society, babysitting when baby's crying. Exactly. It takes time. And one of the things that came through in the feedback, again, all three weeks when we've talked about it and obstacles to us achieving our vision, busyness. Every week we have talked about how difficult it is because we're so busy. You will not create deep community if you're working 80 hours a week and you don't have time for anyone. Or if you're watching Netflix all the time. The other thing is it takes energy Jews and Gentiles hanging out on a Sunday morning was not easy. It took fights. The music's too loud. It's too soft. It's not the right hymns. It's the right hymns. The food's good. The food's not good. It takes emotional energy. And sometimes that will feel restrictive. But if we want gospel community, it'll take time. It'll take emotional energy. It'll also take other people having laying claim to your life which might be the most uncomfortable thing for us, particularly Pakia and New Zealanders, that someone else could lay claim to your time and to your life. We talked about in discipleship, one of the challenges is accountable relationships. No one likes that anymore. No one likes being called up. But if you want real community, you gotta take that. You gotta sit with it. It's a sacrifice. It's not glamorous. It's not fancy. But it is beautiful. And when you hit hard times, when you're in the midst of grief or trauma, suddenly those relationships that before might have been a bit of a challenge, a bit of a burden, suddenly become utterly integral to your well being. If you live an individualistic life where you want loose connections all the time, if you hit trauma, you will be in trouble. You need to invest in those relationships now for when the hard times come. So church, we need to be a community that is going deeper with one another. We are not a Sunday service. We can never be a Sunday service. If we are just another place where you can come and listen to a young preacher, we have failed, utterly failed. The church is first and foremost the community of God. And that takes time, effort, energy, and sacrifice, but it is worth it. Don't settle for the gospel of individualism. It will leave you empty. Bind yourself in God's community and find life. So what we're gonna do, the last week we're gonna do this, I'm gonna invite you guys to gather around into groups and I wanna hear your thoughts. I wanna hear what's happening in your heart because I believe God will speak through you. I'm gonna ask us to gather around in groups of five or six. Just turn your chairs around where you are and um, introduce yourself to the people around you. And I want you to talk about this question first. What would a gospel-shaped community look like? And I wanna think about two things specifically. What values does it have? What kind of value characteristics does it carry What kind of community church would you love to be a part of and what would that look like? And what kind of things does that church do? What kind of values does it have and what kind of things does it do? That's what I would love to know. So right now, go ahead gather around into your groups. Um, We'll circle up, talk about this question, and then um, we'll hear from each other. All right, let's look at uh, gathering those together. Um, gather those last thoughts, gather those last thoughts. Um, And then, real quick, I just want to hear one or two highlights. One or two highlights from your group. Um, Particularly for those who are watching online, it's actually really helpful to hear. What is one or two highlights that have come from your group? Yeah, go ahead, Annie. Okay,
4: shh. Um, Our group um,
2: wrote the value. Uh, We invited the lowest moral people to church. Uh, how do they identify the lowest moral people? I don't really know, but such as again the thieves or, mm-hmm. or something. Cool. Okay. Uh, leading by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Okay. Another program we usually would say a strong teaching gospels. Connect group alpha program. Love to each other, not judging.
0: Cool. Awesome. That's great. Great. Yep, awesome, cool. Just one or two one or two highlights. Just top one or two things. Um, in
2: addition to what they said about connect groups, we thought that was a vital component. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: this whole issue of finding more time. Yeah. And us here in the semi retired, retired age bracket was saying, well, how can we help those who are raising families who, who don't have you know spare time mm-hmm. to find that? And we didn't come up with an answer, so you better tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Go That's... to the mountain, Colin. Go to the mountain. That's super interesting. That's a really important question though. Yep. Go ahead, Ian. A couple of points we had was um, a community-based church encompasses the differences in people,
1: whether it's stage of life or ages. Um, They know themselves and their own relationship with Christ first, and they've got a strong biblical basis.
0: Awesome. Great.
1: So one of the values we thought was, as individuals, we have to have a commitment to be selfless, so that is one of the most important values, yeah. we thought. Um, something else we've put in the building, in the church building program, a community building or house set up for different services that, we'll, that we could hire out or run by, like counselling, budgeting,
0: awesome.
3: urgent housing.
0: Cool. Yeah, awesome. Build, the building team is listening, I can assure you. That's cool. Yeah, last one, last one.
2: Uh, just under programs, we had a pastoral care team yeah um they obviously needed someone to heat it up, but a group of people, and then under that maybe the alongsiders and all of that yeah uh, for people that need to have extra support,
0: yeah, to make sure people aren't left alone, yeah. yeah, 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 really good, Michelle, awesome, cool, thank you, team. all right, one last question that I want you to talk about in your groups um. What are the biggest obstacles? Um, We've already talked about that a little bit around busyness. What are the biggest obstacles to us becoming that community? Because we're a new church. We can be whatever we wanna be. No one's telling us who we have to be. We can choose here amongst us who we're going to be. So what are the biggest obstacles to us becoming that community? Any answer is a good thought. This is really, really helpful for us. So have a chat in your groups, five minutes. What are the biggest obstacles to us becoming that community? Exactly. All right, let's, uh, let's come back together. And uh, Carl's just gonna come around to this side of the room to hear one or two thoughts. And uh, hey, families group at the back, can we get something from you too? We'll, we'll swing by your way to make sure we don't miss you. I see you. All right, let's, uh, let's hear together.
3: Um, one of the obstacles we identified is people feeling um, inadequate to be able to um, host people at their places because they don't have a big enough house or don't have enough seats or don't have enough. Um, and we sort of talked about the solution being just just do it anyway because it's better to have the, the takeaways that you do have than the you know banquet that you don't have. Um, and that actually it's not about stuff and it's not about having a wonderful setting. It's actually about just making those connections. And the more that we reach out and do this the more other people feel comfortable with just doing this when they see your mess and your vulnerability and your undies that are still sitting beside the spa pool from three days ago um, <laughs> that
0: they're, felt specific. they're comfortable to
3: welcome yeah. people in
0: yeah cool <laughs> awesome Yeah, yeah I that, think she wants you to pick up your undies cool thank you Kim great
3: um, we talked about quite a few things um, but people are afraid to talk to one another Something quite simple in that sense. Um, and community in a um, an area where we're quite disparate, as in we're kilometres apart. So trying to build community when you're not actually physically in community can be quite difficult.
0: Cool. Awesome. Thank you. That's really interesting. So is
1: calling in a bias like pull a new house?
0: Yes. That's in the new budget.
2: Um, people might have trust issues from bad experiences. Um, They may have come from dysfunctional families Mm. or been hurt in other churches as well.
0: Cool, It's really important. Um, I think the biggest obstacle, I think, is ourselves. Um, We need to be more bold and more courageous with stepping out and uh, not be afraid to fail. Um, we can't create community without an invitation. It's an invitation
2: for our neighbours to come over for a meal or an invitation to invite our workmates to come and see what a modern
0: church is, um, yeah. Yeah, It's really good. Cool. Yeah, Esther.
4: Hey, um, do you want me to go over the first stuff?
0: Yeah, go do, do both, all one right. or two from each, because we missed you the first time. And yeah, we'll, I'll and do all
4: five pages.
0: Uh, well, maybe just one or two.
4: <laughs> I'm joking. Um, so, oh, so obviously, with relationships, you actually need to be able to meet re- regularly enough. But um, obviously, in the young families group, that's a little bit hard, like mental space-wise, let alone physical space. It's really hard to get out the door. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's the ease of meetups for families. So, like, for example, having food or meeting at parks, having toys available. It's not as simple as just standing around talking. There's always other stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so when it comes to like meeting up with other families, quite often you end up just talking about your kids. Um, <laughs> there's no real room for talking about God and mm. the real deep nitty-gritty stuff because there's always someone interrupting you. And yeah. also it can be a bit weird. Like you turn up and, and then suddenly you're in this massive conversation it's like, I don't know. You've, you've already got enough facing you every day. You don't want to be talking about your issues all the time yeah. because, you know, there's so much. Um, sharing of resources is another thing. Um, a lot of us struggle. Like, we don't like to say it. We like to just make do with what we've got, typical Kiwi ingenuity. But a lot of us have extra stuff that we don't need, and um, we just kind of either chuck it or give it to the op shop. But imagine if we had, like... Like something, say, this size where we could all just drop off the nice stuff that we don't need that other people could benefit from. I know this is just another one of those things that like so many other countries have done and it's not new, but, but that would actually really help people like I'm wearing mostly just given stuff. People gave me all the stuff I'm wearing right now. Um, cool.
0: Let, let's yeah. do one, one more. One more. One more. I, yeah.
4: Okay. Skill sharing skill sharing so mm. time resources etc is in the way of all that kind of stuff so I'm sure you guys can think of yeah yeah
0: cool awesome Thank you Esther it's really really cool all right last last one from this group over here
1: right okay I'll just pick out a couple of things yeah, we just... also had skill sharing so um, cool. but I'm building on that um, we thought we also need to be aware of what's happening in the community and provide the service that relates at the time, for example, COVID at the moment, yeah. you know, there's there, that was a focus for a while. Um, and the other thing to be careful of is with growth, um, to be careful that we don't create clicks that yeah. can become an obstacle. And finally being too comfortable instead of proactive.
0: Yeah, cool, thank you. That's really, really helpful, yeah.
2: Cool, we had a few things, but um, people putting their hands up can be one of the, the biggest things. Um, yeah. And is that because we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone and it will be like inconvenient? Um, the other thing was training. Um, do we feel ill-equipped or not sure how to answer or deal with these things? So maybe some training.
0: Cool. That's really, really helpful. Thank you guys so much. Genuinely, this is, this is the last week we're doing this and then we got the AGM not this Sunday but the following, um, not next Sunday but the following. Thank you so much for this. It's really, really helpful. Genuinely, I mean it. The The budget that's going to be sent out soon to everyone and the plans for next year is very, 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 very much drawn and built from what we've been hearing together. So your communication, your feedback is utterly invaluable. And as we finish, I want to finish with that thought too. Is We've grown pretty rapidly in our two years, right? From a church of around 50, you know, like we've grown and built people up. Um, One of our challenge will be is that the most effective community work we do will not come from the front, nor will it come from any programs. The most effective gospel, pastoral care, and community work that we're going to do is gonna come from you. And how well that you continue to reach out to the people who are next to you. And if you are new here, how well you continue to carry on that culture to look out for others who come new after you. So it's worth us thinking about. Otherwise, as we grow bigger, that's only gonna get harder for it to happen. So with that, let me just again say thank you so much for participating in this. I really, really value it. And I pray that God will build a deeper community amongst us as we worship and we live together. So may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may you know his peace. God bless. If you would like prayer for anything that has come up today, there's a team of people that would love to pray with you. Or you can ask the person who's sitting next to you. Chat in your groups. And we will see you either tonight for the worship night in our Connect groups or next Sunday. God bless. <laughs>